say, um, again, don't, don't come with anything profound tonight. Really. Really feel like I can say what I need to say. And, um, I don't think it'll take me that long to get it said. I just feel something on my heart tonight. And um, I want to deliver the burden of my heart. I want to talk to somebody here tonight. Let's turn to the book of Genesis chapter 22. Genesis 22. Now, this should be familiar everybody I uh, years ago years ago I, I heard a saint talking about said, we think it's funny that we can tell when we've started our yearly Bible readings the pastor preaches from what we've been reading that week I said, well, hey, you know, what, what you need to do is you need to stop and realize, look, he's doing it too. He's not just asking you to do it. He's doing it too. And um, now I, I said this to our M&M class the other night. I, I'm being honest with you. I am really trying to pull back on the reins to just stay with everybody. After reading it through four times last year, I'm trying this year to just stay with everybody else. And um, I'm already, uh, I think, nearly finished with Exodus. So I'm, I'm trying, but I'm, I'm still getting a little bit ahead. So I don't really know when you read Genesis 22, but I think it should have been sometime within the last few days. And um, so Genesis 22. Verse number 15, we're going to read just three verses of Scripture here. Genesis 22 and verse number 15. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies." Thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. Now, I'm telling you, I absolutely love everything about verse 17. And it would be very easy for me to preach a whole message just from verse 17. Because there is so much that is said right there. 
obviously this is this is at that moment after Abraham has scaled the mountain and passed God's test. God had asked him to offer his son and Abraham was willing to do it. And when he passed the test, God spoke. And uh, verse 16, he said, by myself have I sworn. And I heard one preacher say that God looked down on what Abraham did and said, well, I swear. I don't quite think that's the way it worked, but anyhow, that's... One of my teachers in college would have said it makes a good chart. But uh, anyhow, he said, by myself have I sworn because you have done this thing. You have not held back the thing that I asked of you. And God said, because of that, I got something I want to tell you, Abraham. Abraham didn't do it to get this promise. You understand? Abraham didn't have a promise when he received the command. God didn't say, if you'll do this, I'm going to bless you. God just said, do it. And there was no promise of blessing. Just a command for obedience. But when Abraham obeyed, or was at least willing to obey, God said, I got something special I want to do for you. In blessing, I'm going to bless you. And in multiplying, I'm going to multiply your seed. As the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore. That's that's saying a lot. Maybe in a moment when you sit down I may talk to you a little bit about that. But then this last part is where I really want to focus tonight. I think. I think I want to focus there. Who knows? (laughs) I may get too hung up on the first part. But the last part is what I'm thinking I'm going to focus on. He said, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. That's what I'm going to title this tonight is simply Possessing the Gates. Possessing the Gates. Would you put your Bibles down, lift your hands, lift your voices. Let's ask God to speak to us tonight, can we? Everybody, let's, let's ask God to talk to our hearts. I 
Let's praise him one more time, can we? Let's praise him, let's praise him. Let's praise him, let's praise him. Oh, Jesus. I love you, God. Amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Now, let me just try to just touch on, because I've started this, let me just try to touch on what I see in verse 17 here. But to me, the amazing thing about what God is saying to Abraham in the first part of this promise, he says, in blessing, I'll bless thee. And in multiplying, I'll multiply thy seed. I'm going to tell you what I see in this, Brother Hilton, is that God is making a promise to Abraham. That whoever it is and wherever it is that I decide to pour my blessing out on, I want to just assure you of this one thing, Abraham. Every time I bless anybody, I'm going to save back a little bit of blessing for you. In blessing, I'm going to bless you. Anytime I get ready to move, upon the face of the earth and send my blessing to a people I'm going to remember Abraham and and I'm going to I'm going to hand out a portion of blessing to him as well and Abraham I want you to know that when I start multiplying any people I got some multiplication I'm going to pass your way as well There's nobody else that's going to be multiplied by the hand of God without you getting some multiplication too. Well, praise God. What a promise God made to this man. What a promise. Every time that God decides he's going to bless Brother Nelson, God says, now I'm not going to bless him without remembering Abraham. I'm going to pour a blessing out on Abraham's seed somehow, some way. When I get ready to bless Jerome, I'm going to reach over and give Abraham a little blessing too. Well, praise God. What a promise he made. And that really is a message in and of itself. But what I want to focus on tonight is this latter part of this promise. that God not only said, whenever I start blessing, I'm always going to bless you and Whenever I start multiplying, I'm always going to multiply your seed. God also went on to say, let me tell you this about your seed. Your seed is going to possess the gate of his enemies. Now, the gate is a significant place. I've, I've, as most of you know, I've been privileged to make two trips to Israel. And uh, it's one of the things that they stress to us as we go to these archaeological sites and, and we find uh, 
ourselves standing at the entrance of these ancient biblical cities. The gate itself obviously is no longer there, but you can see where it was. You can see the opening that was there, that the place where they would put the gate. And, and, uh, and, and in fact, there was one picture, uh, some of you saw it, where our tour guide had me and several other men come. There, there's a, there was a whole um, stone seat carved out at the wall beside the gate of the city. And he talked to us about what would happen there. He said, there's a reason why this is designed this way. He said, because here, the, the, the gate of the city was, was really the place of judgment. It was their ancient courthouse. And, and so the elders of the city, the men of renown, those who were respected would come and sit on that bench they would sit there and they would pass judgment and they would make deals and you read this many times in the scripture where people went to make deals or to buy land or or, or they're going to uh in the case of Boaz to redeem uh his his uh inheritance here here we find they would go and they would do it at the gate of the city this was their place of Politics, if you play, please. And so if a man could ever overthrow the gates of the city, that would be like somebody overthrowing Washington, D.C. for us. It would be like them going in and taking over our national capital. You know, again, in Bible days, most of the time, each city was more or less a country of its own. And, and so they had a king that would rule over that city, which today would, would really be little more than, than a mayor for some cities. You know, I mean, it, it wasn't a huge kingdom that he had. Uh, sometimes it was a small city, but, but if he was the ruler, he was the king over that city. But, but for some cities, they were vast and they were large. And in fact, we stood in, uh, in Hazor and looked out and they showed us how vast this place had been and, and the many, many, many acres that it encompassed. The largest kingdom uh, in the days of the Canaanites when Joshua and the children of Israel were first coming across the land. It was, it was a huge vast city uh, that was a kingdom as well. So I'm, I'm saying to you that when a man would overthrow the gates of that city, he really was showing them he had conquered the strength of the city. He had removed the defense of the city. The city could no longer stand against anyone else because that gate is what protected them against any onslaught. So when God promised Abraham that his seed would possess the gate of his enemies, he was saying to Abraham, amen, that your descendants are going to overtake and overrule those that rise up against you. He said, Abraham, I want to tell you, when I'm handing out these blessings upon your seed, here's a promise I'm making you. There's not a city anywhere that's going to be able 
able to stand. Oh, I feel this right now. There's not a city anywhere that's going to be able to stand against your seed, Abraham. They're not just going to go in, amen, and just make a few inroads. But I'm going to tell you, I'm going to bless them in such a way they are going to overthrow the gates of their enemies. They're going to overtake the entire city. Now, now just let that lay in the back of your mind for a few minutes. In our text, there's something else that I want to point out to you about the seed of Abraham, and we're going to come back to these gates in just a few moments. But in our text, God said, Abraham, I'm going to multiply your seed. Now notice this, as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore. And so God defined the lineage of Abraham in two ways, as the sand and as the stars. Now, we do understand that uh, uh, in one sense what God was saying, and he did say this to Abraham in in other places, Uh, look at the stars and count their number if you can because that's how your seed's going to be. Just like the vast number of stars, uh, you're going to have that many descendants. And, and when you go down to the seashore, try to count the grains of sand and tell me if you can come up with a number. And, and, and God said, Abraham, I'm going to make your descendants that numerous just like the sands of the seashore. So we know that God was talking numerically in one sense, but I also believe that there was something more than just numbers that was being referenced here. Amen. I believe that God was saying something else to Abraham besides just the fact that they're going to be as many as the stars and as vast as the sand. But I believe that he was looking and telling Abraham, I want you to understand something Abraham. Amen. This blessing is going to be so great that you're going to have really two kinds of seed. You can look at the sand which is earthly and that represents an earthly seed. But Abraham, I want to tell you something else, son. There's another seed that's going to spring forth from you and it's going to be like the stars. It's not going to come based upon the earthly. It's not going to come through the bloodline and the lineage, amen, of your loins, but it's going to come from heaven. I'm going to give you a seed that is a heavenly seed. Amen. And I believe I can prove that. Galatians chapter 3. This is a bit lengthy. Galatians 3, beginning with verse number 14. Read that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. Now look, the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. The Gentiles, you understand, they they don't have Abraham's blood. They're They're not a part of this because they can 
follow their family tree back to granddaddy Abraham. But they are, they are children of Abraham through Jesus Christ. Read. That we might receive that we might receive the promise of the Spirit. The promise through faith. of the Spirit through faith. Alright, read. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men, though it be but a man's though it covenant. Be but a man's covenant. Yet if it be confirmed, no man disannul it. No man can disannul it. Or addeth thereto. No man can add thereto. Now 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 listen to what he's saying. Understand what he's saying. We're reading King James English here and we can get lost in all this, but, but, but Paul is telling the Galatians, even men, if they've got a signed contract, one party can't just go in there and change the contract. Both parties have agreed to this, and it's written down, it is settled. So you don't disannul it, and you can't come in and add to it. I'll read on, verse 16. Now to Abraham, to Abraham and, his seed and his seed were the, promises, were the made. promises made. He saith not, and God didn't say, and to, seed to seeds as of, many, as of many, but as of one. But as of one. And, to thy seed, and to thy seed, which is Christ. Which is Christ. Read. And this I say, this I say that the covenant, the covenant that was confirmed before of Christ, confirmed of, God before Christ, of God in Christ, the law, the which, law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul, cannot disannul that it should make the promise of none effect. Now, now, now look, I want you to pay attention here. Again, it's, it's some of this, this is why Peter said, even our beloved Paul has written some things to you that are hard to be understood. Sometimes you really got to stop and dissect what Paul's saying. And, and so look at what he says. He says, look, there was a covenant. There was a covenant. And he said it was the law. And it was 430 years after the promise of Abraham. He said, but I want to tell you something. As great as the law was. And the fact that it came after the promise of Abraham. I want you to know it did not disannul the promise of Abraham. All right. We didn't finish the verse, did we? Finish. That it should make the promise. That it should of make the effect. promise of none effect. So he said, God made a promise to Abraham, and then later God comes along and gives us the law. Four hundred and thirty years later, and he said, some of the Jews are so hung up on this law. But I want to tell you something. He said there was a promise that was given before the law was ever given. And the giving of the law did not disannul the promise that was made to Abraham. Read on. For if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more of promise. If the inheritance comes through the law, then it's not of promise. But God gave but it to Abraham. God gave it to Abraham by promise. By promise. God didn't give it to Abraham through the law. Right. Now, now again, the Jews thought that's how we become the children of Abraham is by keeping the law. And Paul said, no, uh-uh, no, 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 no. That's not how it works. The law had a purpose. There was a reason for it. But that's not what made you a child of Abraham. 
the promise that was given to Abraham was 430 years before there was a law. And the inheritance did not come through the law. The inheritance was before the law. And the inheritance came not by law, but by promise. Because God made a promise to Abraham. Oh, I feel this tonight. I read. Wherefore then serveth the law? So what's the purpose in the law? It was added, it was added because of transgression. Because of transgression. So the seed should come to whom the promise was made. So the seed should come to whom the promise was made. And it was ordained, and it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. Angels in the hand of a mediator. So Paul is saying, you know, this law of Moses, it's, it's a great thing. But, but he said, let me tell you, really, the reason why God had to give you the law, it wasn't to make you children of Abraham. God gave you the law because of sin and transgression. Abraham did what was right. Abraham lived righteously. Abraham forsook false gods. He didn't need it written on a table of stone that said thou shalt have no other gods before me. Abraham packed his bags and left the land of polytheism to follow after the one true God. But, but some of those of Abraham's lineage, they get to wandering. Their heart's wandering and their eyes are wandering. And they're desiring things they shouldn't desire. And God said, I got to do something about that. And, and he gave them a law because of their transgression. But he said, let me tell you something. That law, while it was there to try to keep their transgression in check, it did not supersede the covenant God made with Abraham. It was not greater than the promise God gave Abraham. And then Paul went on to tell us that the seed which was to receive the promises of Abraham, amen, he said that seed was Christ. And so he said the promise that was made to Abraham, whatever God said to Abraham, it doesn't come through those that keep the law, but it comes through those that inherit the promise. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. There was something about it. He meant the children of Abraham are the children of faith. And when they believe God, that's, that's more important than the keeping of the law. Amen. There's something about it. Amen. He said, I've got my eye on one seed, and that's Christ. And it's going to be those descendants, those spiritual descendants that are going to inherit the promises. Amen. That God made to Abraham. Now let me tell you something church Let me tell you something Amen So we have a spiritual seed Amen That came to us uh, Through Jesus Christ uh, And that's us uh, That's the church So when God looked at Abraham uh, And he said Abraham uh, Your seed uh, is going to possess the gate uh, Of his enemies uh, He's talking to us uh, That's a promise uh, we can claim That's a promise we can lay hold of uh, that promise comes to us uh, through our father Abraham. Hallelujah. 
That's why Jesus said what he did in Matthew chapter 16. Maybe this will make a little bit more sense to you. Matthew 16 and 18. Read. And I say also, I unto, say also thee, unto thee, thou art, thou art Peter, Peter. And upon, and this, upon rock, this rock, I will build, I'll my, build church. my church. And the gates 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 of hell shall not prevail against it. Why? Because God made a promise to our father Abraham and God said we are going to possess the gates. Hallelujah. Amen. The fact that the gates shall not prevail shows us that hell has no power to defend itself against the church. One translation reads this way. You are Peter. And I can guarantee that on this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not overpower it. This is what I'm preaching to you tonight, true church. Amen. I want to tell you, I don't care what hell does. I don't care what the devil does. I don't care what the world does. God has made his church a promise. There are no gates that can withstand the onslaught of the church. We've been given power. We've been given authority because we've got a promise. I'm claiming my promise. God has promised to me. Oh, come on, somebody. I'm telling you, when the devil starts convincing you he's got you and you're going to have to give in and give up, you need to remember, uh -uh. no, 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 no. God made a promise. I've got power. I can possess the gates. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. I know, I know, for months we've been in a spiritual battle. And I'm telling you, it's only just begun. Maybe you want better words of encouragement. But I want to tell you, the words of encouragement I've got are, it doesn't matter how hot the battle gets. It doesn't matter how fierce the enemy is. It doesn't matter how big the devil is. I'm here to tell you, God has already promised the church we're going to possess the gates. And I want to declare to the spirit of Olathe, we're going to possess the gates of this city because God told Abraham that his seed would possess the gates. You can fortify them, spirit. You can try to make them stronger. You can call in reinforcements. But I want to tell you, when all is said and done, the true church has the right to possess the gate of this city. Oh, come on, let's praise the Lord. Let's praise the Lord. Oh, Jesus. We got 
understand the power of this promise 430 years before there was a law amen even before Moses stood at the top of Mount Sinai amen and great thunderings came and the finger of God carved out the commandments on tables of stone there was something greater than that there was something bigger than that there was something more powerful than that amen and God gave it to our father Abraham Well, and I'm telling you, that's why, I guess that's why that first part of that verse means so much to me because I understand that promise in blessing, I'll bless thee. Hey, God, I love to hear what Pastor Hilton's seeing down in Lynn Valley. I love to hear it. But hey, God, you said in blessing, you said in multiplying, hey, God, I'm just reminding you tonight of a promise that stands and has stood for thousands of years. You've never abandoned your promises. You've never forgotten your promises. You've never neglected your promises. And you're not going to start now in blessing. He's going to bless us and multiply. He's going to multiply us. We will possess the gates of the city. I'm going to tell you, and this is the truth, if some of you knew, if some of you knew what was going on in the spirit realm, you'd be scared to death. If God were to take some of you on a trip like he took Ezekiel, to just start showing him around, and we know God took Ezekiel to the valley dry bones, but God took Ezekiel other places too. God carried him over to the temple and said, I, I want you to look through this little hole here in the wall. I want you to see what's going on over there. Yeah, that's in your Bible. God just let him pass through the land see a whole lot of stuff. I'm going to tell you, if God took some of us on a trip like that, we, we would trade places with Ebenezer Scrooge. Some of you don't know what all that's about, but you know the spirit of Christmas past and all that stuff is in that that book. All the stuff he saw. I'm gonna tell you if you could see, and I'm just telling you. I know, I know this is going out online, and I know there'll be some that hear it and probably mock it, but I'm gonna say it anyhow. If you could see those that gather to practice witchcraft against this church. And it's happening. You hear me? It's happening. It's happening. If you could see the demon forces that have been ordered over here all the way from Africa. If you could see what's going on in the spirit, some of you would be scared to death. But I'm going to tell you, there's no reason to be scared. There's no reason to be afraid. Because we possess the gates here. These are our gates. This belongs to us. 
We may not have taken them yet, but they're ours. Hey, you know what I kind of feel like tonight? Oh, David, we, we often preach about David and Goliath and we know a little bit of the story, most of the story, but there's another part of that story we hardly ever talk about. Once he got Goliath down, he chopped his head off. Well, we know that part, but you know what else he did? He picked up that head and it went running to Jerusalem. And he shook that bloody head. You know why? Jerusalem belonged to the Jebusites. But David said, one day, the gates of this city are going to be mine. And I want you to look at this champion. He couldn't stand against the promises of God. I want you to see what happened to Goliath. And the same God that gave me Goliath is going to give me Jerusalem. Woo! Hallelujah! Amen! I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, God is bigger and stronger and more powerful and his promises are sure. There is no devil that can stop the promise of God. God makes a promise like that. And God says that his seed, your seed, Abraham, is going to possess the gates of your enemies. When God says that, you can take it to the bank. In fact, you can open your own bank with it. It's sure, it's settled. I said, it's settled. The grass withers and the flower fades away. But the word of our Lord. Now, wait a minute. I don't think that just means the printed word of our Lord. I believe that's any word of our Lord. Anything that he speaks, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord, every promise God has made, the word of the Lord endureth forever. Hear that, devil. Listen to that, devil, and you know it's true. You've been fighting God for all of these millennia, and you know God has never failed to keep one of his promises. The word of the Lord endureth forever. It may have been a man 4,000 years ago when God said to Abraham, your seed will possess the gate. But what is 4,000 years to our God? Amen. One day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. So when God looks at it, he says, Oh, you mean four days ago? Yeah, I made a promise to Abraham four days ago, and I hadn't forgot about it. Well, I'm going to be honest with you. I've had times God's made me promises. 
that I forgot he made them. I've told somebody about a dream that I had many years ago when I was pastoring in Texas and God made some very specific promises to me in that dream. Very, very specific. Showed me a backslider that had prayed back through. Showed me that that backslider had gotten a new Bible. Showed me a crowd of people. Showed me how I would walk into the service that night. I mean specific details. But enough time passed. It wasn't that I doubted it. I just forgot about it. But one night, it happened just like God said. Well, and it wasn't until after that service that night and I was on my way home that all of a sudden I remembered that dream and I, I, was, I was amazed at the detail that God had already shown me. Amen. It had all come to pass. Everything that God had said, he did it. He did it. He did it. I forgot the promises, but God didn't forget. That's what I'm preaching to the truth church tonight. Amen. God hasn't forgotten what he said to Abraham. Amen. And I'm telling you that the promises. Amen. We talk about how God keeps the people of Israel today. And I believe he does. But we got to remember it's not just the sand seed. There's also the star seed. Oh, hallelujah. And that's us. That's us. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Amen. Let's go to the book of Judges. I'm, I really am nearly done here. Oh, Lord Jesus, I didn't know it was that late. Well, one day is that's a thousand years and a thousand years. <laughs> Just trying to be like the Lord, that's all. To be like Jesus, to be like I'm trying to hurry, I'm trying to hurry. Musicians, figure out what you're going to play. Judges chapter 16, verses 2 and 3. Read. And it was told the Gazites, saying, Samson is come hither. Oh yeah, now's our chance. We're going to get the strong man. And they compassed him in and laid wait for him all night in the gate of the city. And they laid wait for him all night in the gate. Isn't that an interesting place? They're waiting in the gate. They know he's down there. Mm-hmm. And they know he's got to go home. Right. And if he's going home, there's only one way in, one way out. So they're going to wait there at the gate. And read. And we're quiet all the night. Oh, they're quiet. They're waiting on him. And they're ready to overthrow Samson. Saying they're planning a big surprise. Read. Saying in the morning. In the morning. When it is day. When it's day. We shall kill him. We're going to catch him by surprise. And we are going to kill him. And Samson laid till midnight. But Samson didn't wait till morning. He laid till midnight. And arose at midnight. And he arose at midnight. And took the doors of the gate of the city. He did what? He took the doors of the gate of the city. While they're there waiting on him. Hiding, ready to kill. He just walks up, grabs the doors off of the hinges of the gate. Yes. And the two posts. The two posts. And went away with and them. And went away with them. Bar, Bar and all. And put them he on his He didn't even unlock the gate. You understand, most of these gates were two. You know, they're, they're two doors that they put this big, huge bar in the middle of it. And old Samson, he just walked up there and grabbed the whole thing. Yeah. 
left it locked. He just grabbed it locked, got the doors, the posts, the bar, and all, and carried them up. Put him on his shoulder, carried him up to the top of a hill that's before Hebron. I'm going to tell you what Samson did. He said, you guys are waiting here to kill me. I'm not waiting around for that to happen. I'm going to show you who's boss. Because I just happened to be a child of Abraham. And one of the promises that God gave to my forefather was that I could possess the gates. So you guys can hide there all you want, but those gates belong to me. I'm taking them right now, and I'm going to Hebron. I'm going to the Jewish city. I'm going to take them back there and I'm going to let you guys know you don't own this city anymore. It's ours. Come on, church. I'm telling you, we don't need to lie around and wait for the devil to destroy us. I said it Sunday. I'm saying again, it's time for us to go on the attack. It's time for us to start claiming new territory. God has promised us that we could possess the gate. All right, musicians, come. I got... I got four scriptures, and we're going to see if I can just get through them, all right? I don't think they need much commentary. They might get some, but I don't think they need much. But I want you to understand, everything he's about to read, these are promises made to the seed of Abraham. That's us. So that means these promises he's about to read, they're ours. All right, let's start Isaiah 54 and verse 17. No weapon, no weapon that is formed against, formed thee against shall thee prosper. It's going to prosper, and every and tongue, every tongue that shall rise is going to rise thee against thee in judgment. Thou shalt thou condemn. condemn. This, is, this the is the heritage of the servants of the, of the Lord, of the and, Lord. Their and their righteousness is of me, is of me saith, saith the, Lord. the Lord. That's our promise, church. That's our promise. No weapon that's formed against us is going to prosper, and every tongue that rises in judgment against us we are going to be able to condemn all right all right romans chapter 8 and verse 31 read what shall we then say to these things say to these things god be for us if god be for us who can be against us i wish some of you would get a hold of this tonight that us doesn't mean me it means us Hallelujah. It means us. It means the children of Abraham by faith. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 4 and 5. I'm trying. I am. I really am. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 4 and 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not carnal. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But what are they? 
mighty through God. They're mighty through God to the pulling down, to the of, pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations. Casting down imaginations. And every high thing, every high that, thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. Of God bringing into captivity, captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Christ. I'm telling you, God has given to his people weapons that are powerful. And we can pull down the strongholds of hell. We can possess the gates. One more, one more. Let's stand. Let's stand. One more. First John 4 and verse 4. Ye are of God, Ye little children. Are of God, little children. And have overcome and them. And have overcome them. Because, because greater, greater is he, is he that is in that's you in you than he that than is in the world. That is in the world. You gotta understand this. The one that's in you is committed to keeping the promises that he made himself. If he doesn't defend his people, then he breaks his own promise. Did you get that? If he doesn't defend his own people, he breaks his own promise. That's why you don't have to worry about what's out there. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And it's not just a matter of the fact that he's stronger. But the matter of the fact is he's defending his own honor. I said he's defending his own honor. He made a promise and God cannot lie. God cannot lie. And I'm telling you, when the devil rises up against God's people, God's going to stand up and defend his honor. Let's worship the Lord together. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God.